James Franklin's taken responsibility for the Michigan and Ohio State losses, as he should, but there's more to it than that. Plus, now the coaching dynamic has significantly changed as Penn State's got to wrap up a regular season, prepare for a bowl game, and there's a lot to prove across the board as we discuss after a Penn State football practice open to the media on this edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And that is right. You are Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast. I'm your host, Zach Seiko, bringing you all things Nittany Lions content. Joined by associate producer to the show, Zane Bransfield. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team simply wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Zane. We went to a good to see you. Good to see you again. Long time no see because we just ran into each other at Penn State football practice. Uh, plenty of observations here as the Nittany Lions prepare for not only Rutgers, but life after Mike Yersich. And I know it's been a few days, but since as media members, we get to see this. So there, there's plenty to discuss. We, of course, hear from Coach Franklin uh, after practice uh, in Haluba Hall. And then we and then we get to interview with some select players. There's a new coaching dynamic. We also got an injury, a direct update from James Franklin about an injury regarding Trey Wallace. I'll I'll say people, but we're still going to talk about it, though. Uh, Trey Wallace is going to be out for that game. But uh, Franklin's words, not ours, taking the blame for the Michigan game and the Ohio State game and, and every failure that they've had. He says that it all falls on him, but there's more to it, Zane, as... He also added in there that he wants to run a program a certain way. And that certain way is more like a CEO, a CEO rather than, you know, what he wants to be able to be involved in everything. A little bit in play calling, a little bit of the offense, a little bit of the defense, a little bit of the special teams, a little bit of the quarterbacks, running backs, everything. That's what that's what a CEO does. That's what a leader of a program, a leader of a business does. And in this case, James Franklin's leader of a program. Uh, so he, he doesn't want to get too far away. And that also is his involvement in recruiting. And he made this very apparent, his involvement in fundraising, academics. So I think that James Franklin does have the right approach in this case to how he wants to run Penn State football because then he's kind of everywhere to make sure that no place is lacking. But with that being said, he needs a head coach at every single spot, a head coach type. Manny Diaz, the head coach of the defense. And I've said this too. This is I don't think this is groundbreaking information for, for us, but maybe not everyone's familiar. Mike Yersich was supposed to be the head coach of the offense. And I think the offense took too much attention than it needed because not everyone was doing their responsibilities, right? Stacy Collins, head coach of the special teams. And then he made specifically uh, Andy Frank, the head coach of recruiting in this case. And then James Franklin is to be able to help along where we're needed. And like you said, I think he did a great job of explaining that so people mm-hmm. can understand it. So like, obviously people should listen to the press conference as well. If they really want to hear his word for word analysts yeah. of that, but 
I think something like people in the way the question was asked was good too, because a lot of times people think Franklin doesn't want to take that blame and he like, or that he doesn't do anything. The question was, people don't think that you do anything, James. So what actually do you do as head coach? Yeah. And he did a pretty good job about, about that. Like you said, when he breaking down, like, Oh, I make sure like, he basically was explaining like that. He kind of hovers over everything, but he wants to, those people to be so trustworthy in the sense that he doesn't have to like do, invest a lot of time into that. And instead he can spread his time out more evenly, especially like with recruiting, he can't do all that by himself. He can't coach offense all by himself or defense, special teams, et cetera. So like you said, he does, he did a great job. He, like he is the CEO, essentially he's the head guy. So he has to take that blame. And I was honestly, he earned a lot of respect for me in that sense, because he, it takes a lot for somebody to admit that they're the reason a program is struggling or what not or another. And mm-hmm. obviously Penn state is struggling if they're 10 to, and if Penn state fans want them to live up to a higher expectation and Franklin obviously wants to see change. He, they fired mm-hmm. your And so I think there's gonna be a lot of things going forward that Penn state needs to address a lot of things. Franklin's going to address and just different things in general. But another guy you didn't mention was about like uh, Danny O'Brien that he mentions a lot. Mm-hmm. And how he does want to keep him around and he's going to be doing more and more stuff. And Franklin mentioned that Drew Aller specifically came to him and he was like, yeah, like, is Danny going to keep having his role? Or is he going to do other things to help the program? And I think there's just a lot also about just how this Penn State community is and how even mm-hmm. the players care for every one of their coaches. Yeah, so it wasn't all. And we heard that from Caden Wallace as well. Uh, mentioned specifically Ty Howell. And because once upon a time, Howell was a graduate assistant. Now he works closely with the tight ends and he's gotten this co-offensive coordinator promotion overnight. <laughs> but uh, Caden Wallace, there there is a chemistry through all the guys on the staff. It isn't just, well, Mike Yersich is only with the quarterbacks was. Uh, Marcus Haggins isn't the only one with the wide receivers. There, There's all these, there's symmetry, there's chemistry because you need that if you're going to build a good team. But we've seen a lot of discussion talking about resources or what the, because then there were the fire Franklin chants in Beaver Stadium. So people get the impression that James Franklin is completely hands off and that he doesn't do any. No, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's with the offense. He's with the, rather than focusing so much attention so that he can be, he's essentially quality control. And that's what a CEO does. A CEO doesn't go out and make sales. They're not contacting clients. They're not going business to business. They're the closer if they need to be, but they're quality control. They put the right people in the right places. They make evaluations all the time. And that's why we've seen Penn State be as good as it has been. I know it's not at the place that everybody wants it to be, but I think there's another interesting quote that we should talk about that doesn't come from practice. So we're bringing this over from the press conference, but it relates to what is being said. LeVar Arrington went on the rant about how Penn State doesn't have the resource, or they're not using the resources that are needed to be a successful football program. And I'm here to say that it's true. It it is very true. The investments that Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan, the ones that are at the top, all the programs that are at the top of college football right now, Zane, what do they all have in common? They spend the most money. They do. Right, for, for whatever reason. And that's why Texas A&M made a change because Texas A&M's in that category and they're not winning. So clearly there was some sort of disconnect there. But Texas, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and Ohio State are all 
firmly inside of the top 10, right? There are some outside pro organs. Another one, Penn State, if you look at some different things, and I will particularly quote the, or not quote, but re reference to what people spend, what these schools spend on recruiting. Penn State spends about $12 million on average a year in terms of recruiting alone. But this is an indicator about just football in general. Compare that to Georgia, who spends about roughly $20 million. There's a lot that can be done with that $8 million gap. Now let's relay it back. Penn State is outside of the top 10 on, on a year-to-year basis. Sometimes they're 9 or 10. Sometimes they're 11, right? This was a five-year average for these for recruiting spending. Georgia was always firmly number one. Georgia was always firmly number one. Alabama up there, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, right? Florida State, Oregon, the, the ones that we've been mentioning here. But Penn State, 10th, 11th, 12th, depending on what year you look, but on the five-year average, about 9th or 10th. Well, that's what we're getting here. We're getting a 9th or 10th rated program. Georgia is the number one team in every single spending category. And would you look at that saying, so I'm doing some basic math here. The more money that you invest into your football program at every level, at every level, from the social media team to recruiting to facilities to everything else. So LeVar Arrington especially would probably know best since he's as close to James Franklin as he is. He played under Joe Paterno in a different era. He made the comment that everyone says that, oh, Franklin can't beat Michigan. Joe Paterno didn't beat Michigan either during that time. LeVar Arrington rare, would, did not beat Michigan frequently enough in that time span. Everybody looked at that Michigan game and said, yep, there, there's a loss. And most of the time it was. And then James Franklin in the past decade, up until recently, it was a back and forth battle between Penn State, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, James Franklin. That's all I'm trying to say. That's why we have the chat. That's why this is a discussion and a conversation. But let's take this now a step further in the quote that I want to reference from the press conference. James has said that he feels more confident than ever about the alignment between the, of the entirety of the program. So that's Pat Kraft, that's President Neely Bendapudi, compared to what was in the past. How about Sandy Barber as the athletic director? What James Franklin is saying here, and maybe uh, the translation I hope is as, is as accurate as I'm trying to make it to be, when they went and got Kirk Shiraka and then Mike Yurcich back-to-back years, I have a gut feeling that those exactly weren't Penn State's first choices. But because of the resources, Zane, that they were willing to spend and invest, they had to be their first choices. Your thoughts? I agree with you. It's like we were talking about this earlier. Like if you only have so much money, you can't get that top thing, but you just try to get what you can afford. And Mm -hmm. that was definitely Penn State situation because there's been other guys available. That'll be the situation going forward too as well. Like when Penn State's looking for their new offense coordinator, they're going to want the best offense coordinator out there. Obviously, everybody does. But you get what you can get. And Penn State's only going to have a certain amount of budget money and whatever Pat Kraft says he can spend, whatever the university says he can spend, that's what Franklin's going to do. He's going to go get the best guy, whether that's within Penn State system already of one of the other coordinators, or if it's going out and finding somebody else. And something people often don't look at, and you mentioned like other schools spend more money and Penn State just isn't ready or have enough resources either to just go out there and spend $20 million on a football team. And mm. the, the fans want them to, 
The fans yeah. are like, this is going to be our year. That was what they said this year. But the reality of it is, is Penn State's not ready to make that jump to say, we are all in with our football team every season to spend that kind of money. Sure, they put a lot of money and they have a good wrestling mm -hmm. team. They have other good sports. <laughs> but Penn State's not ready to make that jump yet. And it's something I think fans, it would be frustrating as a fan, but something that Penn State just isn't ready to do. And it's going to be hard for fans to wrap their head around that. It's something they don't want to. And they want to blame somebody. So right now they're blaming Franklin. But really, it's the university is kind of the problem here if they're just not getting enough money. And that's what the see the NFL is different because everybody has a salary cap. And are are you supposed to impose a salary cap across all of college football, saying that Georgia can't spend this amount of money, Texas A and M can't, Texas can't, whatever, Ohio State, Michigan? Do the conferences do that? Say that the Big Ten Big Ten schools can only spend a certain amount of money on recruiting, on, on facilities, on on coaching staffs, on everything else, and it's gotten better. But now Pat Kraft has been here. For not just it's not just his introduc introductory period, right? He he has been here. Neely Bendapudi has been here. These changes came in 2022. Now everyone's on the same page, and I don't think that there is that fear of spending money anymore. So instead of settling for the things that you can manage, that you can deal with, Penn State, I, I don't think they're going to stay in house. I, I think that they are going to try to make that quote unquote splash higher, and. They're going to get a big name, and they're going to spend a lot of money. I think they're going to try to work ways to get Manny Diaz a raise and any of the assistants on staff because they can really build something special now with this. I don't, I don't want to say that it's like a looseness, like they're not spending a bunch of money just to spend money, but it's now going to be coordinated and strategic. Well, there's a new coaching dynamic for the time being, Danny O'Brien, with the quarterbacks, Ty Howe, calling plays at practice. That's what we saw, more observations and notes as Penn State prepares for Rutgers. But first, let's hear from one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up, level it up to its peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you are looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible, eligible only, items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. And the Locked On Podcast Network amps up college football coverage every single Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern time when they go live across the Locked On College YouTube channels with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. As the name certainly suggests, you get a full preview of the weekend slate of games, conference rivalries, the college football playoff implications, and so much more with a, an expert panel talking nothing but college football. Locked on College Football Kickoff Live on YouTube at 11 a.m. every Friday Eastern time. Zane, there, there definitely was, I, I would say there was a more seriousness to practice against Rutgers. I mean, you have to be, there's almost this, 
some somebody that the players did like that they looked up to. Mike Yersich is gone. And you can't just say that, oh, well, it's time to forget and move on. That was a person that that you cared about. And now they're no longer there. So there was certainly, uh, I think, a seriousness, a little bit of an awkwardness to it as well. Not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. This isn't going to hold the team back, but you have to get used to these things. Someone that has been there for the past three years and with most of these players for the for the better part of three years is gone, is not there, is not directing traffic, is not calling plays. And now you have to get used to a little more influence from Ty Howell, Danny O'Brien being the lone person working with the quarterbacks and, and trying to keep everything as status quo as possible. On the defensive front, there really wasn't anything interesting because Manny Diaz and everything else that is going on remained unchanged and uh, no players were missing and everything was as normal, tackling drills and all, all the same. But Danny O'Brien working closely with the, with the quarterbacks, I think there were some tweaks into how they were doing things, at least with what we saw in the 15-minute window. And then Ty Howe calling out plays, essentially getting a little bit of practice at practice. He was saying, hey, what, here's what formation we're going to run. This is the per- personnel. This is the personnel we're going to run with the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends. Running backs were not involved. I do want to make a point. J1 Sider was working solely with the running backs. They weren't involved in these passing drills. It was the wide receivers and the tight ends of the quarterbacks. And people might sit back and say, well, that's interesting that Ty Howell is kind of directing the show a little bit while Sider's off to the side, still working with the running backs. And to, and to that, I say, well, the running backs weren't in that drill. And, and I think how J1 Sider has been the co-offensive coordinator for quite some time now. He has been that since Mike Yersich was here. He has been the co-offensive coordinator. He's just not calling plays. But Ty Howe, graduate assistant, tight ends coach, now assuming this role of co-offensive coordinator with some play calling duties, he's got to get some practice. He's got to get some command of this, even if it's just, hey, we're running 12 personnel, we're running this route, this route, and this route. But I like that it was Ty Howell doing that. It just leads me to believe that, hey, J1 Sider's comfortable and doesn't need to do that, whereas Ty Howell definitely needs some, some practice to get used to this new role. And like you said of that, also Franklin mentioned how they're being very collaborative together and they're like mm-hmm. very evenly splitting time. So even though we saw Ty Howell calling plays, who knows on Saturday if it's going to be all one guy or if it's going to be split. It's, Franklin made it sound like it's going to be pretty even. So just mm-hmm. because we didn't see Sider calling plays, I wouldn't discount his ability to do that either, I think. Yeah. Also, with media there, they do some other things and they like to like keep us from knowing information. So I think that could be a little bit of it too, but like you said, Sider's definitely experienced with knowing plays and being an offensive coordinator. So I think just getting house and reps is always an important thing. And frankly, Penn State's gonna—they're trying to figure out what works right now. And so if that means how calling at practice or Sider coming calling plays at practice, that's what gonna—that's what they're gonna keep working with and keep practicing, just so the team can get better. And like the season's not over; they still got two more games, and so and plus possibly a bowl game. So Penn State's got to do whatever's best for them. And maybe Cider called plays yesterday, and we don't know that. Maybe Howell's going to call them today, and they just take turns. And something people just can think about, like there's no right or wrong answer. We don't know the answers. But I think Penn State definitely lets both of them call plays. I, I think Franklin likes his dynamic, and obviously they both provide different dynamics of play calling. Cider's more experienced. Howell's not, but Howell – like you said, was a graduate assistant, so we've seen some different things that mm-hmm. maybe Sider hasn't. So I think, honestly, I think they'll be a great pair for each other, and I think we'll see some 
new and interesting things on Saturday. It's a weird dynamic to me, though. How do you do that with play calling? Do you what? Alternate every other play, every other quarter. One person takes one half, one takes the other. I, you're in some inconsequential games. I think Rutgers is your biggest test because that's that's a good, that's a respectable defense to see, okay, hey, what can this new play caller do? I, I think the Rutgers game is going to be more telling, especially right fresh off this turbulence, fresh off of this adversity zone, where we're going to see how do these guys adapt in their new spots with more responsibility. Michigan State is Michigan State for what it's worth. They're a dumpster fire. Their roster is going to have so much turnover with the transfer portal. It is just not good over there. I don't know how much effort they're going to give at Ford Field on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. But Rutgers, Greg Schiano is coming back to Penn State. He's obviously, he's coached at Penn State, right? Schiano was coached in the NFL. Like this, this is a big deal for him. This game matters to him. They're bowl eligible. But they want to have, instead of getting one of the, the lower bowl games, they want to get one that's a little bit higher status. So, And it's always, well, Rutgers is Penn State's little brother. But everyone's getting my point is that Rutgers is the formidable opponent to kind of get an idea, hey, where does J1 Sider sit as a play caller? Where, how, what kind of progress has Ty Howe made? It's an excellent evaluation opportunity for those coaches. What I take away from what James Franklin said, because we didn't really hear, we heard some about Ty Howe. We didn't really hear anything about J1 Sider specifically, but we heard a lot about Danny O'Brien. James Franklin is glowing when he talks about Danny O'Brien. I'm not saying that Danny O'Brien is now officially a candidate in the offensive coordinator race, but he's going to be protected uh, with all with all the shuffling. And I feel like James Franklin is probably going to try to find an offensive coordinator that is going to maintain Danny O'Brien on staff. Because when an offensive coordinator comes in, they either want to be the quarterback's coach or bring in someone as their complement to be the quarterback's coach in, in addition to that. You bring your own staff. You bring your own guys from time to time. And James Franklin uh, definitely might put a stop to that and go to bat for someone like O'Brien. I'm glad O'Brien is a rising star in this case. I think you made a great point, and Franklin definitely, he loves Danny O'Brien. And not even just mm -hmm. Franklin, though. He mentioned that it's the coaches or the quarterbacks and stuff that love him, too. Drew Aller, he said, mm -hmm. like I mentioned, he specifically came and talked to him about that. I think that's an important connection for somebody like Aller to have, with, especially going through like an offense yep. coordinator change. Like That's a big change. He hasn't gone through that all last season. It was just Yersich. Up until this point, it was Yersich, and now it's different. So having a guy like O'Brien, who's hopefully can be a familiar face for him besides like the rest of the coaching staff is going to be very important for him. So hopefully Penn state can like obviously retain O'Brien. I think for the betterment mm -hmm. of Drew Aller, helping him have that like smooth transition, obviously is the biggest point and you don't want to like stunt his development. So I think keeping familiar faces is obviously important. And we talked about earlier, like Drew Aller obviously has some things that he needs to learn. And mm -hmm. I think that's the best way for him to do it. Keep guys like that, and I think Franklin, like you said, will go to bat for a guy like O'Brien, but I don't think that means he gets a lower-quality offense coordinator because of that. I think he still gets the top guy. But just, like, it's not that hard to keep a graduate assistant around either when they're not, like, on a big contract, if any. And Drew Aller likes Danny O'Brien from what we've gathered, so that that's important, too. They're going to find an offensive coordinator that fits the personnel that they have, 
And Drew Aller is a pocket passer. You should not be running him 10 times a game against Michigan. That That is a game where he needs, and that's why a change was made. Things that Things like that led to this kind of change. Now, just briefly, as we wrap up the show, we're going to talk about some injuries, guys that have been missing, who's back at practice, who's not. We know that Trey Wallace is out, but we also did get another update on the veteran wide receiver. Let's discuss in just a moment, but how about we hear from another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. You can score big this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, and right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team simply wins. That's all they got to do. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So now what do you got to do? You go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the football season. Penn State currently a 20.5-point favorite against Rutgers with the total set at 42.5. If you like those lines on FanDuel, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And I'd like to shout out another one of our sponsors on today's episode, and that is Team Ticker. For those watching, everybody can see that gorgeous sign behind me to my left. That is Team Ticker, one is the one-of-a-kind sports sign for Nittany Lion fans. Whether it's football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, soccer, softball, Team Ticker has you covered. Never miss a game again as the high-tech retro display provides a countdown to the next big game, as well as daily updates on the latest team news, stats, schedules, standings, and so much more. The rankings, you can see all of it up to date. I set it up in a matter of minutes. I had it hung on the wall in no time, and the mobile app is super easy to use, connects you to the internet so you can get those daily updates. Each sign is officially licensed, meaning high-quality standards, and is assembled by hand in the United States. Team Ticker is the ultimate upgrade to your Nittany Line sports collection. Once you hang it on the wall, you're going to be the talk of all your fellow Penn State fans. If you're looking for that one eye-catching item to showcase your team pride or a gift for the, that special Nittany Lions fan, it is the holiday season, so Team Ticker wants to help you out and get that special gift. Go to teamticker.com and use the holiday promotion for $50 off when you use code Locked On. $50 off for that holiday promotion using promo code Locked on team ticker is the one of a kind sports sign from now through the holiday season. Teamticker.com. It's a flash sale for you for this holiday season. $50 off your team ticker purchase. And in this final segment, injuries. James Franklin doesn't like to discuss them, but I'm glad he gave us a little bit of an update. Uh, direct question Hey, is, is Trey Wallace going to play this week against Rutgers? And the answer, a direct no, he's, he's not going to. However, Status is questionable for Michigan State. The bowl game, which I think could be games that are very beneficial to Wallace, especially with the changes changes in the offense, right? We might see a little more. We might see some different passing plays, some more passing success. If the offense does well, I'd like Trey Wallace to be out there and to be a part of it. Uh, so we're not going to see him against Rutgers, but Michigan State, I... I don't know that we're going to see him against Michigan State, to be honest, either. If I just if I'm speaking freely here, Zane, because it's a short week, Black Friday, right? I, that extra day of preparation matters, and they got to travel for this game too. They're traveling to Detroit, Michigan, to go play at the Lions Field. 
the, all of that matters and factors in, but then you have a full month. Penn State's most likely going to get into a New Year's Six Bowl because they're going to win the next two games. They're going to finish 10-2. and two. They only lost to two college football playoff contenders. So the resume is not exactly that bad. They'll get a high-profile game uh, after Christmas, on New Year's, or around that given time frame, and I think Trey Wallace will be back by then. So who, who knows ultimately? Coaches know best, but there's a reason um, he's being held out because it is a serious injury. And But everybody else is back. Chop Robinson's back. Amin Vanover. I saw no limitations with J.B. Nelson, Caden Wallace, Khalil Dinkins. Penn State's been really, which, <laughs> Zane, it, it pains me to say this as we talk about the injuries. Penn State really missed an opportunity here to make some noise and make the college football playoff. Your team, now a lot of luck is involved in this, but this team was so healthy. The fact that they have all these guys available at 100%, may I mind you, this far into the season is just impressive, but it also adds insult to injury that they weren't able to capitalize on that. Like you said, it's good to have like healthy guys, but and you do have to capitalize on that. But I was honestly, I was surprised Franklin was straight up about Trey Wallace. And I think they do set him again, like you said, next week, because you don't want the guy's career to be ended because of an injury and playing him too soon. So yeah. obviously just rest the guy, let him get fully healthy. He'll be back like 99% sure he'll be back next season. And then Penn State hopefully can make another run next season, plus new offensive coordinator, new offensive plays, mm-hmm. new schemes. So keeping a guy like that around who has some veteran experience will be very good for Penn State. And so I don't see them like even risking him. Even in a bowl game, I think, like depending on when the bowl game is, will determine if he plays or doesn't play. I know there's still three games left, the two regular season and the bowl game, but I think now starts preparation for next season. You have to retain Manny Diaz. You have to get the right offensive coordinator. Drew Aller has to start fresh, start somewhere at the beginning because his development has gone backwards. Get Nicholas Singleton back on the right track. Improve with what Catron Allen's been able to show you. You get Dante Cephas. You could get Keandre Lambert-Smith back. Trey Wallace is supposed to be held. Aside from Theo Johnson, Olu Fashionu, Hunter Norzad, there's really no guarantee you could have everybody else back on offense and then see who you can retain defensively. Of course, Chop Robinson's probably going to go to the NFL draft. Keaton Ellis has to graduate, retain Manny Diaz, but I think now starts the beginning of next season. What dynamic do you have without Mike Yersich, who has been here for two-plus years, trying to was going in to finish up his third year, and uh, that was obviously ended abruptly, but now the goals have shifted. Yes, finish 10-2, and win your bowl game, but really... I think this is the beginning of the 2024 season. You can't tell me it's it, it should be looked at any other way. I agree. It definitely is the beginning because Pence has got to build off of this new offensive scheme already. New changes, new players, and they're not going to lose a ton of players next season. So they got to mm-hmm. retain most of them and keep building off of them. This is the offseason at this point. This is the offseason. You use these next couple weeks and you just get better and you keep getting better and you don't stop getting better until the next season's over. So I think that's what Penn State does. I think they keep looking forward, and Franklin doesn't like to look backwards anyway. So I think continues to improve, continues to grow, and the only real big change is going to be hiring the new offense coordinator. But I think everything else, Penn State just keeps building on it. Zane, I appreciate you. Thanks for joining me and helping me co-host the show today. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Nittany Lines. Become an everyday or subscribe on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. Let us know in the comments. What do you think about James Franklin's role within the program and what how he approaches it, the offensive coordinator search? 
and what we could see against Rutgers and Michigan State that will make you a little more happy about this team moving forward. And for more Penn State football content, keep it right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.